What's happening, everybody? Welcome to the show. Welcome to another episode of Action Movie Anatomy here on the Popcorn Talk Network. Today, we're going to be talking about Bad Boys 2, and we're going to be talking about the 2019 Oscar nominations in their entirety. Stick with us, guys. We'll see you in one quick second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Action Movie Anatomy. like this man dj rat nielsen in the boot this video has a lot of views the one that this cover is coming from I'm still dre that you guys are <laughs> like you're saying this episode does yeah. already and, and the reality of it is it deserves the views because yeah. it's an incredible cover of this song oh it's amazing it's amazing i love it it's a gentleman who did it he should be very proud of himself <laughs> we we should know his name um we uh yeah i mean we can't use we can't use still dre anymore so we figured yeah. we'd use this sweet rendition yeah. and uh yeah ryan uh, how you doing man i'm doing great how are y'all congrats on the the wins oh thank, thank you, you so much thank yeah. you so much yeah, it was a it was a big wow i'm just watching us do our intro to the show here on yeah, screen so amazing we look like we look awesome we do um, we do so uh, it was a great weekend. We had a lot of fun. The Schmodown Awards, the Schmodown Draft, uh, Oscar nominations hit this morning. The mm-hmm. Morbius trailer hit this morning. A lot of things. Why are we talking about the Oscar nominations on an episode of Action Movie Natalie, Andrew? Well, because we've done this show for so long. We've done it for five years no, now. No, that's the Five Horsemen. Why would you do that? <laughs> Why would you even mention that? Uh, we've done this show for so long now that we figured, uh, I mean, well, there's there's a couple couple layers to this. One is that uh, Bad Boys and Bad Boys 2 are not movies that Ben and I really love, but we know with the new Bad Boys coming out that we're going to see it. I'm actually going to go see it tomorrow night. Um, I... Uh, <laughs> We like Bad Boys enough, I guess, but we don't want to spend a whole hour talking about Bad Boys and Bad Boys Two. But we- I, I think uh, let me jump in on that point before okay. you before you kind of continue the okay. road because I actually think the we've we've covered a lot of movies on the show as you mentioned two hundred fifty yep. episodes yep. or so, and in that time we've covered some movies we don't love. Yep, we're okay doing it. We've done it plenty of times. We always will find a silver lining in a movie, even if it's not our favorite movie. And there are plenty of moments in Bad Boys Two that are super entertaining, and we're going to talk about those. Yep. We're going to be having a whole episode talking about the Oscar noms and then Bad Boys Two. We're trying something brand new today. This is a format we're testing out. And the reason we're testing it out is because at a certain point, we want to continue doing a show here on Popcorn Talk, but we maybe want to have that show include things like movie news, to be a little more topical, to be covering things that are not just an hour about one movie every single week. And so we felt this was a good week, as good as any, yeah. to maybe try it out. The Oscar better, hit better this morning. Than most. And so we felt like we would give it a shot, and uh, we would spend the first half of the show talking Oscar noms 2019, and the second half, we would do a slightly abbreviated version of Bad Boys 2. Now, if the episode finishes, you guys in the comments tell us here, you know what? I didn't really like this. I want you guys to stick to an hour on the movie. That's the show I love, and that's what I'm here to Let us know, because we'd love to know. We'd love to know what you guys think. There are plenty of places for us to talk about other things. Also... Drew and I do streams now every single week on our own channel. We have a channel called Action Industries. We have one on Friday. We have one on Sunday. There's lots of time to talk about things. So at the end of this show, if we feel like we haven't given the the credit due that Bad Boys 2 deserves, we'll talk about it a little bit on the streams. We'll, we'll, We'll make some jokes about it. We'll reference things that we loved. But we decided today we wanted to give it a shot. So thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of Action Movie Anatomy. And, uh... Go ahead. Oh. I didn't want to interrupt you on your, uh, your, you know... <laughs> You're going. Keep going. Keep going. I got nothing to say. Nothing to say to me. No, I mean I was in the middle of, of saying, and then you went on a run. So keep going. Oh. Intro, intro the show. Do the thing. <laughs> We're here for action movie anatomy on the Popcorn Talk Network. We talk uh, action movies on the show. Those movies are here to four basic rules. We're going to get into all those rules of the show and the things that we do when we get to the Bad Boys Two segment. But on the Popcorn Talk Network, where you guys are seeing the stream right now. We want you guys to get excited to hear about the Oscar noms, which we're going to talk about. Drew and I spent a chunk of time on the phone this morning talking about the Oscar noms already. It's a big announcement today. A lot of news. I think this is the first year you and I have been totally immersed as critics, as pundits, whatever you want to call us, content creators, where like most of the relevant movies that are being talked about, we either have seen or have had like many discussions about those movies. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I I've never really been the biggest fan of the Oscars. I've never been like a diehard fan of like watching them, even back home. But the more time that I spend in the space and talking about movies professionally, um, the more disconnected I feel from the Oscars. As weird as that sounds, uh, yes, I I've seen all the movies, and I think that's something. Or most of the movies, and I think that's. A lot different than the general populace that watches films. They've probably seen maybe half or less than half the movies that are nominated. But the more that you spend time in this space and around these people and around critics, people that are so outspoken about their opinions about movies, um, 
and also the people that are kind of paving the way for what seems, you know, you can always tell when a movie comes out and the way that critics respond. You're like, all right, I'll probably hear about this movie in January. Come Oscar season, come award season, this will probably be one of those movies. The thing about it, though, is that people are never happy. They're never satisfied with never the nominations. Totally um, they always feel like there's a ton of snubs. And they always feel like there's a lot of movies um, and nominations that are kind of stuck in the old model of Hollywood. And, and I think that that's something that kind of happened again. That being said, I think that there's still a lot of really good movies that are nominated. Um, and I think a lot of great performances that are nominated. So I think it'll be good for us to talk about it. Um, I don't want it to be one of those things where we just get in here and we just shit on all the nominations and we talk about why movies should be nominated that aren't. No. Uh, I think snubs is something that you can pay some attention to, but for the most part, I want to talk about what did get nominated and what um, what we think is going to win. Yeah, I think so. I think I think that's probably the best place to start. So uh, I, maybe we just jump straight into the, the, the first discussion this year. Uh, oh, you know, actually, before we get into it, I think we should do a couple shout outs, right? Yeah, yeah. So if I you guys so. are watching here on Popcorn Talk Network, we already mentioned Ryan Nelson. He's up in the booth. Ryan, how you doing? Doing great. How are y'all? Excellent. Excellent. I, we want to hear you kind of chime in here while we're talking about things as well. We know you have strong opinions about it. but For sure. And I have all the noms uh, all queued up. So oh, perfect. When you're right. Be sure to hit that subscribe button, guys, uh, for, for Popcorn Talk Network. We already mentioned Action Industries. Go check that out. You can find us on social media. Uh, you can find at Andrew Guy. Ben Bateman Media. Uh, Team Action Show is our Twitter account. And uh, everywhere else, we're Action Industries, so go check that out. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Team Action. We're going to do some shout-outs to some patrons there a little later in the show. Yeah, uh, well, we got new new uh, new patrons, Douglas Johnson and Brooks McKenzie. Big shout-out to you guys. Thank you so much for your patronage, and we'll get to the generals at the end of the show, right after we finish covering Bad Boys. But let's get into the, nom- the nominations here. Yeah, I think the thing to start with here, and we mentioned this a little this morning, so back in 2009, as a direct response to the Dark Knight hitting mm-hmm. uh, and, and not receiving a Best Picture nomination. The Academy made a change. And this this is not crazy. We've seen a lot of this in the last few years. The Academy likes to kind of update their rules. Um, some things stick around. Some things like the popular movie category last year didn't even make it to the actual Oscar ceremony. Yeah. Um, they changed it so that we could have more movies get nominated. And those first couple years, you had 10 nominations each, 2009, 2010. After that, they changed the system. I don't know the exact rules, but from what I can understand, this been running on Twitter, people are saying there's a math system. Basically, a movie has to receive a certain number of votes to actually qualify as a Best Picture nomination, which is why, and I didn't know this, so maybe this is news to you guys too, you'll often see the years there'll be eight nominees or nine nominees, as opposed to ten, because in my opinion, there's always at least ten great movies a year. Yes. Right? So that's why. This year, for instance, there are nine nominations, uh, and there are a couple snubs that we'll get to. But there were nine <clears throat> films nominated. The nine films nominated for Best Picture are Parasite, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Marriage Story, Little Women, Joker, Jojo Rabbit, The Irishman, and Ford v. Ferrari. Um, this is pretty chalk, I would say, for what you and I expected. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I'm uh, I'm definitely bummed that Knives Out's not up there. That That's my movie of the year. That's still my number one movie of the year. But it makes sense that it's not. Um I I'm okay with all these movies, you know, being nominated other than the Irishman. That's the Irishman is my big like blemish on the whole nominations. Even though we Everything. both knew it was going to happen, it just, just we knew it was going to happen. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's it's on par with any of these movies. It doesn't feel like it tried as hard. Now I know that there's people that love the Irishman, um, and I honestly think that if the Irishman was just a movie that came and it was like, oh yeah, this is a good movie. I enjoyed it. I'm glad these guys did it. Yeah, I'm glad that we have this. Right. I would probably like it a lot more. But the way that people talk about it in saying that it's like, oh my God, they're back together again. And right. like, you, you, you're never going to see a movie like this. And Pesci's, Pesci's the greatest performance we've ever seen in, in film in 2019. And like, yeah, Pesci's great in it. And De Niro's fine. And Pacino's fine. But yeah. overall, the movie just felt like, I was just very lukewarm about the whole thing. It doesn't feel like a Best Picture nominee in 2019. It feels like a Best Picture nominee in like 2000. Yeah, it also, it also, it's weird because uh, looking at the chat here, Jonas Tiger, longtime listener of the show, uh, says, Blemish, what the fuck? Oh, sorry, I swore. Uh, mm. It says WTF. And I think the question, <laughs> that's on me. Uh, the, the, I think what he means, because uh, you and I saw the film together, yeah. it's not that either of us, I think, actively thought The Irishman was a bad movie. That's not the point. The point is that The Irishman represented, I think, an idea of a movie that at one time would have been done so differently than this movie. Mm-hmm. But there was so much freedom because it's Netflix and they want to purchase this movie. They want it done the way they want it done. Scorsese has so much credit. You got all these guys together. So many of the other pundits that we talked about in the movie came out were like, oh, I mean, what am I going to really complain about the length? You know, it's the last time I'm really going to ever get to see these guys probably work with Scorsese in a gangster movie. I want every minute of it I can get. And but it's that's like, like not a good movie. Right. That, that's just like stroking the ego and, stro- you know, playing to this catering to this specific 
audience, but yeah, that movie's way too long. There's a lot in that movie we both really liked. There's yeah. a ton of stuff really in that movie is. we really liked. It's just that, in, on the whole, it feels a little long. I knew it was going to get nominated. The only thing up here that I think was the big surprise to everyone involved, a mm-hmm. huge surprise really, was the Parasite did actually get a Best Picture nomination. I think people suspected it. A lot of people wanted it. It was the most probably well-reviewed film of the year, but in years past... Even, you know, as they call it, an international film would not have received a Best Picture nomination. So I think that's the big surprise for me. The one thing, and it's not because I think it's a movie that's on par in quality with these movies that that misses, is I kind of can't believe that they didn't give Avengers Endgame a Best Picture nomination to represent $22 billion, 11 years, and the entirety of this genre and approach to filmmaking that absolutely changed Hollywood. So, so you're saying that you feel like it should get the Return of the King treatment? Absolutely. I mean, Return mm-hmm. of the King obviously is a great movie. Yeah. Right? But Return of the King is also bloated at times. Return of the King yeah. is long. And Return of the King also really received the Best Picture nomination and win there because it represented three movies worth of incredible work. Mm-hmm. You look at Avatar in 2009. Avatar received nine Oscar nominations, including Best Picture, for a movie that, frankly, as you can watch on our review of that movie on this show, is not that good. Yeah. It's a pretty forgettable movie. It's just that it was impactful. It became the highest film, grossing film of all time. Avengers Endgame is now the highest grossing film of all time. It is an unprecedented thing that they did with the MCU. It's crazy to me that they would they would reward Avatar. They would reward Return of the King. They would reward Black Panther in the in the context of obviously there are there are different preferences in that movie that make it relevant and amazing. Yeah. I mean, Black Panther is a great movie, but still, like if Black Panther gets a nomination for Best Picture. And you're going to say that it's a it's a really good movie, but it also does all these other things, and that's why it's being honored. I don't understand how you can't make the same argument for Avengers Endgame when there's a, a freaking tenth spot open. Why is math dictating that Endgame <clears throat> is not being honored for twenty two billion dollars worth of movies? Yeah, it's 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 tough because I definitely understand what you're saying in this, and I don't I don't actually disagree with you. I, I do think that Endgame should have gotten more than one nomination. It gets one nomination and best visual effects and will it win it? Probably. Yeah. Um but at the same time it could it could lose it. It could lose it to nineteen seventeen, the same category, you right. know, a movie that kills it visually. Um I don't think I, I don't care about the money. Yeah, I really don't. Fair. Like the twenty-two billion dollars doesn't matter to me at all. But what does matter to me is is like how relevant it was, how big this whole the whole Marvel universe was, and that this is the true end of the phase that we've all kind of known to love. All these actors, the stories that they've told, and and really the next phase of Marvel is going to feel like a completely different book. And it's I, unlikely that it'll be as successful. It'll still make yeah. a lot of money, but it's not going to feel special or meaningful. I think in the same way. My question though is. You know it's not going to win, right? So do you just want the do you just want the nomination because so that you can see it with, like ten years down the road, nominated for best picture, Endgame, yeah, basically, you know, just to, just it, like a little bit of respect. Yeah, and it's not like it happens every time. I t- mm-hmm. I wanted to check my math when I was talking about it this morning. I looked at Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two. Did not receive a best picture nomination. Eight movies, tons of money, yeah, really impactful. People loved them. Didn't get one. You know, you could make the same argument for Rise of Skywalker if you wanted, I guess. It's the, mm-hmm. it's the last in the trilogy. But, like, there was just something about Endgame and the impact that it had and how much hype there was in built into this whole thing in a very unique and special sort of new way. I don't know. That was I, The other thing I, I was saying is that I, I don't like the mathematics rule that the 10th movie doesn't get nominated if it's not if there's not enough nominations. Because, like, I mean, I, I, a couple movies, you know, Booksmart, Late Night, The Report, Bombshell, The Mustang, Peanut Butter Falcon. These are all movies that I loved this year. I thought these movies were fantastic. Mm-hmm. Some of these movies are honored uh, Knives Out in yeah. other categories. <clears throat> it's bizarre to me that you would allow 10 nominations in this day and age, but nobody really understands or even notices the difference between a year that has eight and a year that has 10. And I had to look it up to even realize that since 2009, 2010, there's only been those two years with 10. Right, right. And it's like no one no one knows, like there's a handful of the 1% that actually knows the reasoning and, and how it works out and, and the votes. I didn't know that. You didn't know that till this morning. Until this morning. So I think that's really interesting. My actual favorite of the year that's on this list is Parasite. Yeah. Hands down, without a doubt. I mean, Knives Out is my favorite of the year, and um, I, I'm, I'm bummed it's not on the list. I'm glad that it at least got screenplay. I, you know, I, I think that that's great. Because uh, the Globes ignored that one, right? They didn't give it a screenplay nom. I think yeah, you and I no, talked about that. they did not. Um, I love Parasite, though, and I've seen, I've seen all the movies on this list except for two. I have not seen Jojo Rabbit, and I haven't seen Little Women. Um, but everything else on there, I've seen. I've heard that Little Woman is great. It's really good. Um, 
But I loved Parasite. I thought it was incredibly unique. It's a great story. It does so much. I was saying how Marriage Story, you know, it's, it's, it's a very straightforward movie in the sense of it tells the story of a divorce. Yeah. And, and kind of like not really so much about the couples falling out, but more about the process of getting a divorce legally and, and all that stuff. I, I was saying to you earlier on the phone, and I, and I kind of had our trouble articulating it. I think I probably still will when I say it right now. But like it feels like when you watch Parasite, and when you watch Marriage Story, it just feels of a different class. Okay. Marriage Story for me feels like a student film. Like a student could have made that movie, in my opinion. That's how I feel. They wouldn't have gotten the actors they got. Yeah, right. Sure. It wouldn't have gotten the actors. But let's say they get incredible actors that yep. do an, an incredible job and they get the great performance. They get the locations and, you know, they, they, they get someone like Laura Dern to come in and just knock out this character. Yeah. Because you've seen that before and like you know, first directing or directors, their very first movie sometimes, I mean, PTH or I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson's a great example. It's like you look at his very first movie, you're like, how the hell did you get these people in this movie? I can see that with a movie like Marriage Story, whereas Parasite feels like to me, if we're talking student filmmaking in Marriage Story, and and again, I liked Marriage Story. Parasite to me feels like NBA against high school. It feels like it feels like a completely different just genre a completely different stratosphere of filmmaking so uh just you said there's two movies on this you haven't seen there's mm-hmm. also two i haven't seen yeah i've not yet seen marriage story or parasite mm-hmm. so i've seen the other seven um we on our show and we'll talk about this a little later in the show but andrew and i are launching a brand new show uh it's going to be officially launching this sunday night it's called the action guys it's uh, the name that we previously did with collider that show is now going to live on the action industry's youtube and we're starting out the show this sunday night We'll talk a little more about it later on, but the subject on this Sunday night show is going to be the best films of 2019. Each yeah. of us will be unveiling, I think, at least our top five, maybe our top ten each. So by then, I will have seen Parasite and Marriage Story. You will have seen Jojo Rabbit, and you will have seen uh, the other one you missed. You, Little Women. A Little Women, ideally. Yeah. Ideally. So those are, I think, let's because we have limited time, I think let me, let's keep jumping around a yeah, little bit. Yeah, well, the, the one other thing I want to mention is because so many people have talked about it here in the chat, and, yeah. I, and I want to say this thing about it now, and, and we'll move on. A lot of people are saying farewell. Uh, the farewell is the other biggest stuff yeah. out there um and it's it's interesting because i i watch the farewell with my family w- w- that is run by a matriarch that is very asian and she's first generation i mean she she would prefer to not even be in america i feel like she would still love to live in korea uh like the the matriarch of this family she's honestly in my opinion she's the only one that deserves an oscar nomination but the movie itself a lot of people are saying it got snubbed um and i was trying to talk to my girlfriend to try to communicate just exactly how i want to say what I feel about this movie. Um, I thought this movie was fine. I thought it was a seven, like, like just great. Like a if out of 10, I'm going to seven. I watched it with my girlfriend who is a second generation Chinese American. Her family still, you know, does a lot of the traditions that you'll see in the movie. Um, I watched it with my family again, with my mother there. So, and my mother had health issues when I was in high school. There was a lot of things about this movie that really, really spoke to me. And I found myself laughing at a lot of moments that I feel like um, people wouldn't understand if they weren't raised by um, an Asian American family. That being said, I don't think that movie was that great. Hmm. Like, it was fine. I think it was a little drawn out. I think that, that some of the shots they kept repeating over and over of, like, people walking uh, was was a little weird. Um, it's a very specific story, and if it's not your personal story, I think it might be hard for people to relate to. But what I think is an interesting is the amount of people that are in, in uproar about it not getting nominated. Yeah. Because... The exciting thing about that is it shows there's a lot of Asian Americans and a lot of people that care about the Asian American story that are watching this movie and going, holy shit, finally, I, someone's telling my story. Kind of like with Crazy Rich Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. You watch that movie, and as an Asian American, you're like, oh, man, there's stuff in there that, that people wouldn't even understand. Like, when you're a kid watching a movie with adult humor, it's the same as watching these movies that really focused on being raised by an Asian family. And you watch shit, and you just laugh because you're, yeah, you're right, like, right, of course, right. he's just... Like the dad hasn't said anything for 30 minutes. He's just being fed by the mom because that's what happens. And, you know, like things like that. That being said, the movie was fine. I honestly think it was kind of forgettable. And I think the only performance that stood out in the whole thing was the grandmother who was actually sick. Yeah, it is. It, you know, it's funny what you just said about that. You you see it uh, year after year kind of and in different movies where. For instance, uh, Big Fat Greek Wedding is a great example of a movie mm-hmm. where, you know, that movie, uh, so many people responded to that movie when it came out because of the way it made them feel about their family, their culture. They could relate to a lot of the sort of family dynamics in that movie. It's not that that movie was so great. It's that it, it spoke to people, it affected people. Yes. Right? Yeah. So Crazy Rich has a similar kind of a, a, appeal. And I think 
that's a totally reasonable it's a totally reasonable uh feeling and reason to like something but it's not a reasonable feeling or reason to be up in arms about it not being acknowledged by an award ceremony because it's like that's a personal feeling a personal connection you have to a movie mm-hmm. and I, I think it's the case for everything but when you're looking at a film you're trying to say is this a masterful piece of work did this require something amazing you know boyhood is a great example of a movie where that movie's pretty good i like boyhood a lot the concept behind boyhood and the execution is what is so amazing yeah about that, it. that's what you know and, and it deserves and, and, to be nominated for that reason mm-hmm uh, that being said, I like the farewell, but I, I'm totally okay with it not being nominated. So uh, let's move on to our next. We got Best Director. Yeah, and this is an interesting one. I think one thing I wanted to really point out to people is that a lot of people now we live in this world of the Oscars where because there are five nominations in the other categories and there's more than five in Best Picture, people have a feeling where they get kind of up in arms about the other categories. Um and it's because we have an outrage culture that goes along with the best picture noms now. Yeah. And it's a little easier with the best pictures to get more pissed off because when you have eight or nine or ten movies, that's a lot of options. You can reward. It didn't used to be like that. When you look at best director, very often the five best movies will have the five directors of those movies be nominated. Right. It's really hard to go past that because you don't have more than five. So if you look at this, Joker led with the most nominations, mm-hmm. right? It's a comic book movie. It's a big deal. It's a really great movie. I think Joker is divisive but great yeah and i think to not give credit to todd phillips for what we see in that movie is is just kind of asinine would be crazy because he did something unique and i think 1917 if you've seen the film it's my number one of the year that would if he hadn't gotten nominated for best director for that movie Mm -hmm. i don't know what we're talking about because that's one of the most incredible things i've ever seen in a movie yeah um i feel very similarly about parasite yeah i feel like when you watch that movie uh and you know it sounds like some people in the chat agree it's like it's masterclass filmmaking the other two on the list now we love these guys. We're, we're big fans of Scorsese Gigantic and Tarantino. Scorsese how can, Tarantino. How can you not be? But neither of these movies are the best that either of them have done. They're not even, I don't think, in the top three of either of their films. No, I think... filmographies, excuse uh, me. Definitely for Scorsese. It's 100% for Scorsese. Scorsese, Irishman, might be top ten. Maybe. Maybe it's like his yeah, ninth best maybe. movie. And then if you're talking about, you know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you're talking about the same guy that did... Kill Bill and Inglorious and Pulp Fiction and like you go back and you watch those movies when I watched those movies Reservoir Dogs what? (laughs) Reservoir Reservoir Dogs I mean when I watched the first five minutes of Inglorious Bastards I would take that whole I would take that five minute scene over all of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yeah and so I've uh it's probably the movie on this list that I'm the most interested to rewatch. Yeah. Because if I feel like our expectation for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and the, what we got, because obviously we didn't know the twist. Now that you know the twist is coming, I almost wonder if the ability to enjoy that movie differently is, I wonder if it feels totally different. I, I kind of said the same thing about The Irishman. Like, I feel like that movie, when it's on Netflix and I rewatch it in a few years, I probably will enjoy the crap out of that movie. Yeah. But I think in both cases, they're very long. There's a lot of expectation that goes with those two movies. So... My feeling, though, is not about those movies as much as it is the systemic problem yes. of of female directors and directors of color, uh, basically just people that aren't white men, being snubbed yeah, at the, these award ceremonies. The big thing this year, now, when we do get to directors, I mean, now, since we are talking about directors, the thing that is great about this that Jeff Graham pointed out to us, uh, our friend, he's like, you know, you, you look at all the people that have won and been nominated for Best Director over the last decade – and it's a great, great thing. Yeah. It really is. They're almost 99% international directors, which is, which is amazing. It's about the women. Yeah. It really is. And, like, you know, if, if, if you're going to hear me talk about The Farewell, and, and I don't think that um, she should have been nominated for director, and I don't think Aquafina should have been nominated for actress, but Greta Gerwig not getting nominated for Little Women here is offensive. Well, it's astounding because... It's offensive. <laughs> because if you think about it, like, <laughs> yeah. we've talked about this before, right? When you see a movie, when you see a movie pop up on a nominations list, right? Yeah. And that movie gets nominated for, let's say, picture, two acting nominations, and like, screenplay. Like, one of those movies, like the four, the old, like, four nom set. You're like, okay, basically what happened here is it's driven by two great performances. Everybody loves the movie because these two people stood out. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the movie is pretty good, but it's about the two performances. We all know what that's like. And if you don't get a director nomination on a movie like that, that's fine because there's only five slots. Yeah. But when you're talking about a movie like Little Women, that's right at the top of the number of nominations. I mean, it's it's tied. I think it's like, I don't have it right. It's like nine or something. I something think like that. Me. I mean, yeah. it's, it's really close to the top. Almost everything about that movie is being honored except for Greta Gerwig. And Greta Gerwig wrote the movie directed the movie you're talking you're telling me that costume design you're telling me that art direction you're telling me writing all the other things that go along with making this movie great but the one person who is responsible for the most things in this movie 
is not going to be nominated for the person leading your actors and actresses, the person that adapted the screenplay of the story that's up for best picture. Like, all of these things. Like, fine if she doesn't win, I guess. Like, fine. But at least put her goddamn name up there. Like, at least do that. Yeah. It's crazy. It's it's That's, like, insane to me. Because, again, like, I really liked Lady Bird. Really, really liked Lady Bird. I think yeah. that movie stuck with me. It made me feel a lot. This I didn't feel no- like... Yeah, this Go. is no Lady Bird. This yeah. is like a this is like a, a a titanic achievement. This movie, like I did not expect, I was going to enjoy Little Women even close to the amount that I did. The performances are fantastic. Mm-hmm. The composition of the movie is great. It's so enjoyable. I have heard nothing but great things from Little uh, about Little Women from all different demographics of of uh, critics. Yeah. Uh, I that being said, since we are already you know over halfway through the show. Um, I think that this is Mendez's category to lose. Yeah. I think it's between him and Todd Phillips personally, even though uh, it's probably much closer to between Mendez, Tarantino, and Scorsese. Oh, bong. Yeah. Well, well sorry I, to interrupt. Well, so here's the thing is, <laughs> is that a Jane Silent Bob thing? I was like, bong. yes, I will smoke with you later, Ryan. Um, yes. No, I, I love him. And I and I want him to win. I I honestly want Parasite to win Best Picture, Best Director. I want it to get nominated for the performances. Like the performance of the wife in that movie is incredible. Problem is, is none of it's going to happen. And, and and like that's just the world that we live in. Like if we're living in a world where Greta Gerwig is not even getting nominated for director, yeah. Bong Joon Ho is never going to win in that world. He's going to get nominated so that I think people go, we care. Look, the Academy cares about international films also, and, and films with subtitles, but yeah, I don't know. I also I think the, the way people were talking about Parasite this year. I mean, people, many people that I know, many of the the, the critics that we know, and even just like the film fans, like you know, uh, okay, take like Polyama, who's somebody that we we play against in the movie trivia showdown. Mm-hmm. You know, he watches more movies than anyone I know. He watched seven hundred forty movies last year. Uh, he loves independent film. I mean, he is. I remember he saw this movie, and I think I saw him on Facebook say, Parasite's not only the best movie of the year, but it's one of the greatest films I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, like, it's incredible. It sticks with you, too. You yeah. You keep thinking about it. It's not because it's, like, so demented or or so, like, jarring. It just it sticks with you. Yeah, so I think um, I think probably for me, and I, I tweeted this morning about it. You guys can go check that out. But my, my like, bold prediction, my hot take on this category is that Tarantino is going to win it. I think they're going to give it to him as it's almost going to be like a legacy award. I really will be bothered if he does. I, I truly think I want Bong to win, but I think Sam Mendes should. Uh, let's get on to let's kind of cruise through. Let's just go through the next four, the yeah. actresses yeah. and actors. Uh, so best actor, we got Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory, Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Adam Driver for Marriage Story, Joaquin Phoenix as Arthur Fleck and Joker, and of course, Jonathan Price, or, uh, oh no, what's his name? Elliot Cava, yeah. <laughs> uh, as Cardinal uh, George Mario. I know that's not how you say it. George Mario? Probably like Jorge Mario Bergoglio. Bergoglio. Um, you want to try that again? Bergoglio. Uh, so this is a category where I'm, I'm a bit kind of uh, hamstrung, because I've only seen three of the five, and I know that Jonathan Price and Antonio's performances are supposed to be incredible. Especially, I've heard more about Antonio Banderas and this performance than I have heard about him since Puss in Boots. It's fair. It's a fair <laughs> it's point. It's like legitimately. I am Puss. I am Puss in Boots. Um, we're going to do the, the Mask we're gonna of Zorro. We're going to do Shrek. We're going to do Mask of Zorro on the show eventually. Oh, we have, we have to. And you your know mother how I feel will about be the guest. Movie. You know, April 5th, my birthday's coming up and she's going to be in town. We should, you we know, should just do it while we she's should here. should do. Well, I think, I think you're, I don't know if your mother would want to be on camera for an entire episode talking. <laughs> I think you'd have to run that past her. Yeah. Uh, but I do know that I, when I did best comic book movies of all time on uh, Bibiani's podcast, I know that he had said this is like Vasco might be like his favorite movie. It's like top two or something. So good. I remember like I was so shocked. I was like, you and Andrew Guy just became best friends. Like there's the, <laughs> like so maybe that's what we got to do. But no uh, but one loves that movie as much as me. Yeah. But so actor and actress, I think um, it's it does seem like it's it's Joaquin's award to lose. Yeah, I, I would be disappointed, honestly, if anybody won over him. He's Same. so affecting in that in that role. Um, as far as actress goes, you know, I think I f- so like I well, so the actresses are, are Cynthia Arrivo Ar- 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 yeah. as yeah. Harriet and Harriet Tubman, Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story, Shersha Ronan in Little Women, Charlize Theron in Bombshell, and Renee Zellweger as Judy in Judy Garland. Classic or, Los Angeles, L.A. industry prediction here would be that it's Judy and it's, right. it's Renee Zellweger. That's a classic pick, and she's great. She's fantastic. I don't think anyone saw the movie, um, but she's great. You know, mm-hmm. like that's and it happens. You do see it happen a lot where like there's the there's a biopic and it's the win. But yeah, um, I my hot take here is that 
it's going to be ScarJo and Marriage Story. Yeah, I, I think I think that you might be right. Um, I don't think she deserves it. I think that she's great in Marriage Story. Um, but I personally uh, think that maybe it's Renee Zellweger as Judy. Just because yeah. you... I remember you telling me when you walked out of that movie, you were just like, God damn, she was incredible. She's like, great. absolutely incredible. Uh, I've heard Scott Mance talk about it. I've heard a good amount of people talk about it. Um but that's how I feel. As for as for best actor, I think it, it needs to be Joaquin. Yeah. It really does. If it's anyone else, it feels like uh, it'll be a travesty. Agreed. Uh, in, t- in terms of supporting, you've got Tom Hanks for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood as Fred Rogers, Anthony Hopkins in The Two Popes, Al Pacino in The Irishman as Jimmy Hoffa, Joe Pesci in The Irishman as Ruff- Russell Buffalino, and Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as Cliff Booth. So there's actually roles in here. I love Joe Pesci in The Irishman. I do too. I big fan of him. Yeah. I think he crushed in that movie. I think the reality of this is if you've ever talked about a Lifetime Achievement Award or they like this is just like your award, it's just going to be Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It has it has to do with 20 factors. It has to do with like so rarely have we ever seen a movie star get to just basically be a movie star in a movie and be rewarded for it. Mm-hmm. It's like such a unique position he's in. There's so few people I can think of that would have been able to just like do what he did. Be, basically. Yeah. And it's funny because he's not actually the movie star in the movie. No. You're talking about Brad Pitt, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know in this one. I, it's, it's weird because I haven't seen, uh, the two popes, but honestly, when I look at this list, I just want Hopkins to win. You just love Hopkins. I just love Hopkins. And I look at all these other performances and I don't think any of them deserved it, but I haven't seen Hanks as Rogers. Yeah. That's the one thing that could be absolutely incredible, but I don't think Pacino deserved it as Hoffa and, and Pesci is He's so much better in Goodfellas, yeah, you know, and we, it's like such a both, different... We both walked out of The Irishman and we're was both... like, Pesci was great. He was the best part. He's by far and away the best part. Um, yeah. I have a problem with Brad Pitt winning. I know, you do. I really do. I love him in that movie. I don't think I, I don't I think it's don't like I don't know a, why it bothers me so much. I think it's, for me, like, the reason I like it and the reason I'm okay with it is, like, it It does feel like there's, there's different types of acting, right, mm-hmm. that I like to reward in movies. Like, you talk about the difference between Tom Cruise and Jerry Maguire and Tom Cruise and Magnolia, and it's like... Okay, and Jerry, he's just basically being Tom Cruise. He's being as much, he's as cruisy as he's right. being. But it's really heartfelt, and he's great at it. It's like so one of my all-time favorite roles. You talk about him in Magnolia, and he is working that role. I mean, he's giving it everything he's got. Totally different, and I would reward them both differently. For Brad Pitt, it's like we've seen him go crazy in 12 Monkeys. We've seen him do other, you know, other things. We've seen him into the crazy de-aging and all that in, in Benjamin Button. But at the end of the day, it's like I like Brad Pitt in Moneyball more. I think he's... Yeah. Way, way, way more impressive in that movie. But here he's like so iconic and memorable from the first five minutes you even see him in the movie. See, but I don't actually think he's he's iconic or memorable. I just think he's cool. Like I remember him being cool, but I don't actually remember him doing like I don't remember what he did for me to think he was cool other than just be Brad Pitt. He like definitely got I, I, after the movie. I remember thinking like he definitely got the best role. He got. The, yeah, he got the easiest role to be awesome in. Um I love Leo in that movie, but I just don't. I, say, I, think, I like Leo more, almost. Like, that I like one scene. That one scene so good. <laughs> that one scene could win me, uh, win me over forever. So uh, the last one, the last category here. Well, I, I so yeah, in that category, I don't really know who, who takes it for me. Um, I guess I would see. I'd be happy with Pitt, or I mean Pesci or, or Hopkins. Uh, best supporting actress. This is where I really don't know because I haven't seen any of these movies except for. Uh, Marriage Story, where Laura Dern was amazing. She really was amazing. Yeah, the only one I haven't seen here is Marriage Story. And for me, there actually are great performances here. Florence Pugh would be a little too early in her career to get this win. Margot Mm -hmm. Robbie is fantastic in Bombshell. She is really, really good. But it does feel like that movie is more of Charlize's movie. Um, It seems like from, I mean... Everyone talks about Kathy Bates. She's good in Richard Jewell. I mean, she's she's really good. good. Okay. She's not like... She is mom? Yeah. Okay. Uh, she's great. I mean, she is great. And so ScarJo is fantastic in JoJo, but it just is Laura Dern and Mary's story. I was going to say, so it sounds like it's just her. It's the, one, it's the one I haven't seen, but from what I understand, from what I hear from everyone about that is it's just clear that she's going to win this award. When you watch that first scene with Laura Dern, and the first scene with Laura Dern in Marriage Story is, is basically when Scar- Scarlett Johansson comes in and just consults with her. She's yeah. an attorney. In that scene, you're like, by the end of it, you're like, I'm going to leave my husband and I'm going to take him for everything he's worth because (laughs) she is so good and she is so, uh, I mean, like ScarJo is literally just a puppet. She's so nice and inviting and she like, you know, gives her something to drink and she's like, well, tell me your story. And then you can just see like the hooks sink in, the claws sink in. And you're like, wow, Scarlett Johansson is going on Laura Dern's ride for the rest of this movie. Yeah. And it's it's amazing. So I'm excited to watch it. So I I think guys, because we do want to make sure we have time to talk about Mike Lowry. Mike Lowry. 
We want to talk about Bad Boys 2 here. Uh, and we're going to do kind of an abbreviated version of Action Movie Anatomy today. Yeah, We've we'll done just... it in the past uh, on our own channel when we used to do those 10-minute AMAs for the Patreon. And I think we'll probably do kind of a similar uh, version of the show today. But we did want to make sure that we got to talk about uh, the Oscars today for you guys. So if you do want to hear a little more Oscars talk, a little bit more of a best movies of the year, be sure to go subscribe to Action Industries, which is our YouTube channel. We're launching a brand new show called The Action Guys. It's a two-hour live streaming show. We're going to be doing a main topic of best movies of 2019. Yes. Some Schmodown Corner. We'll have a guest. It's going to be super awesome. Uh, live chat call-ins every single Sunday, and I believe it's going to be at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, so get excited. Get hyped. Go subscribe right now, and stay tuned if you want to hear us uh, talk about Bad Boys too. Yeah, it's really exciting. I'm, I'm really excited to, to drop the show this Sunday. Um, our live streams have been crazy lately. We've They've had awesome. over 350 people in the last couple, two, yeah. over 200 the ones before that. It's just been, it's been insane. So if you guys are... Looking to do some live stream action Fridays and Sundays around 5.30, 6.30. Yes, sir. So, so uh, let's get into our thesis statement about bad boys. I think we'll uh, – let's let's kind of yeah. intro the show because okay. right, we we'll haven't intro. gotten we'll to do, do all we'll the do things the thing. we do. If, you, yeah. if you've been watching this for Oscars, you don't know the show we're about to do. This is called Action Movie Anatomy. We talk action movies on this show. The movies we talk about on the show here at Four Basic Rules. Rule number one, the uh, – don't have the outline in front of me. <laughs> Rule number one, <laughs> the hero always plays by their own rules. There you uh, I guess definitely. They definitely, they have to. It's a duo of heroes. It's a duo of heroes. They yes. Do, yeah. uh, rule number two: the hero and the villain are always the smartest beings, creatures, aliens, People, what have you, in the room. What have you? Um, uh, it's <laughs> tough with movies like this because you don't really ever want to give enough credit to the villain, feeling like he's the smartest person in the room. No, they, like they, this guy's <laughs> just a crazy cokehead, Colombian or a Cuban. Yeah, you know, just like. Guy that lives with his mom and cuts people up. Michael Bay creation. Uh, yeah, he's a Michael Bay created villain. Rule number three: the movie is driven by a police, military, political, or mercenary figure. They're cops. Uh, and rule number four: the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. It's a Michael Bay movie. It's a Michael of course, Bay movie. They're going to be explosions. Uh, what I want to do because the way we do this show is we, you know, I don't have a thesis, so yeah. I want to skip it. No? <laughs> uh, we we have a couple segments we do on the show. One of the main segments we always do on the show is we start with thesis statements. So it's your biggest boldest thought about the film. It is if this movie comes up at a party and you want to say, hey, here's my hot take about this movie. Um, here's the thing you need to remember the greatest the first the only the last this is what you say um, and I know you have a good one I actually liked yours a lot so I'm gonna I'm gonna cue you to go first here okay so so if it's the one that I'm thinking of uh, I don't think Michael Bay will ever make a great movie ever now I love The Rock the Rock is an amazing film. It, it's it's probably my favorite action movie from the 90s. Yeah. But is it a great movie? Yeah, to, to action movie fans, but not to like something like The Academy or to like, you know, pretty highbrow critics won't look at The Rock and be like, well, it's it's great. I mean, they'll, they'll probably say Ed Harris is enjoyable in it and, you know, Connery has his moments and there's some fun action, but it's not a good movie. It's What it is is that it's it's driven. We, we, we talk about a category in the show all the time called Ridiculously Legitimate. At the end yep. of the show, we, di we dignify the category as, you know, it's a movie that's that's awesome it's a little ridiculous but it's grounded by one really great thing what the rock has going for it is that if ed harris had turned in that performance in almost any other serious movie he legit if it was like a war drama like a war drama he might win he might have gotten a nomination yeah. at the oscars for it because he's so fantastic in that role i love him in that movie but that's the reason that movie is great and i i agree with you you know i'll i'll jump in and say say next that uh and this is a really weird realization because i do have to say in 2015, when you and I started Action Movie Anatomy, I would never have been able to, with a straight face, say what I'm about to say. Yeah. And it's that I find Michael Bay's filmmaking totally offensive. You and I both had the same moment where we were watching this movie and we we're like, I feel st I feel dumb and I feel like us as an audience in the 90s were kind of idiots and immature <laughs> or idiots dumb yeah whatever you want to call it and i thought about this a lot and, and it's not that it's not that in 2015 i couldn't have acknowledged that his treatment of like say uh there's you know there are racist undertones with the way that he treats all, characters in and all of characters. his movies yeah. it's not that i couldn't have acknowledged that in 2015 that's totally real i think what it is is that i at that time if you had said that to me i would be like yeah this is true but like these are big stupid action movies that, you know no no know your audience know what you're signing up for if you uh -huh. want to like, watch this movie like you're signing up for like really stupid one-liners and big explosions and all the things that hot fuzz references is, is awesome but despite that despite the fact that we've done a freaking show called action movie anatomy for five years we've talked about every bad action movie under the sun that we think is good i watched this movie and i was like this is 
I feel dumber. I feel yeah. I'm I'm having a hard time enjoying this because like early on in the movie, you know, the the two girls that are with the drug lord, they like shoot the gun and he's like stupid bitches. He's, he's like bitches. And right. I was like I was like, "Wow, that's the one-liner. That's what you That's what that's you, you wrote in. in the script. We need to do a whole setup here so you can say bitches." And so we and then we'll cut. All right, moving on. I was like, "This guy's supposed to be menacing. He's right. supposed to be menacing and evil and like that's the best you could come up with. Uh, yeah, and the whole treatment of the bad guy and like how evil he was and how uh, and how like nice he was to his grandma or yeah. like the guy that like, like something about his mom he grew up with. Yeah, he, he like laughed at his daughter being chubby. Yeah, that was the other thing is like you're gonna you're gonna like make <laughs> fat jokes about a, a, about a young girl. girl. It was just like uh, you it, know. So so okay, but so here's the thing, and and this is where I think we we uh, we will we will end that part of the yeah, conversation. We will, we will now because. I think our thesis statements are making clear what we understand about this movie. There's a lot about this movie when I was watching it where I was like, this is special and unique in its own way. It is. Because there were definitely moments where I would, I, was, I would laugh out loud and be like, God, this is, this is so stupidly fun. So the next segment on the show we do is called Fist Bump. Yeah. And, this is, and if there's ever a movie that's had a fist bump moment, I mean, if something happens in a movie, you look around, you're like, are you seeing this you right now? This, this is ridiculous. This is I get great. to watch the rest of this movie. This is probably a movie that has more fist bump moments for more people than most people, most movies will ever have. Well, that's the thing about Michael Bay is he he based his career off of fist pumps. He's like, let's just do 50 fist pumps. It'll take about two hours. We'll yeah. call it a day. Um, mine in this movie is actually interesting because it's not any of the things you'd think it would be. It's not the action. It's not like many of the one-liners that go back and forth between each other, like when someone gets headshot. It's literally just the date scene. Yeah. <laughs> it's 100%. Every single time that this date scene happens, I, I always forget that it's about to happen because I don't watch this movie enough. Yeah. And I don't like it enough to remember it very, very well. But every time that that doorbell rings and you open it up and the kid's standing there, I die. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God. Everyone, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like that's how it starts. Also, like five foot four Martin Lawrence being intimidating is one of my favorite things. And like ever. Will Smith holding the bottle of champagne and with the, the gun. gun. Yeah. Like, it's so amazing. Thirty. This yeah. is my. You fight. You can fight. You fight. Oh, you, motherfucker, you can't fight. <laughs> you at least thirty. I love that they call him thirty twice. And the whole scene about it, it kills me. It's hilarious, and also it's it's one of the things where. When you pull back the camera lens and you think about what's happening and it's like Michael Bay is actually saying they'll be like, no, you say this. Yeah. And, then, and then, Will, you say this. <laughs> you say and this. then it'll be so funny, Martin, if you did this. <laughs> so that part I kind of hate when I think about it. But if I think about just Will Smith and Martin Lawrence doing that scene and like them like talking to each other beforehand, like, oh, yeah, and then you could say this and I could say this or we could improvise this. Right. It just gets me going. It I love be, it. And it makes be, me so happy. It'll be fascinating to see what actually happens with uh, Bad Boys for Life. Like, yeah. Because this is 15 years ago. So, like, there was still, a, like, a, like an element of, like, all right, this is kind of what audiences want. And I do want to point out, just so everybody understands, like, I was thinking about what movies are being made today that basically mirror this, that audiences are okay with. And Hobbs and Shaw is not that different. It's No. It's a little different. It's, yeah. It, but it's <laughs> – Cliff Curtis and Hobbs and Shaw is equally offensive in a lot of ways. I mean, there's a lot of – Yeah. <laughs> this makes me fun laugh thinking about one it. One of the – <laughs> There's a lot of things in Hobbs and Shaw that feel a lot like watching Bad Boys too. However, I will say, I will say that like it being these two characters doing this thing that came about in 1995, and they're they're going to do it again in 2019. Okay, like, and, and like yeah, <laughs> okay. exactly. Okay, and here we go. So Jonathan Peck says in the chat, fun fact: this scene was improvised. Richard Jarvie confirms it. <laughs> That's why it's the best part of the movie. Yeah. It's because Michael Bay had absolutely no hand in the writing of it. And then Will Smith and Martin Lawrence are like, let's just get ghetto as fuck right They're now. They're like, we're like, funny. Let's because yeah, we're comedians. We're comedians. We've done that for a long time. Now let's think about the times that we went to girls' houses growing up and the worst situation that could have happened. I totally agree. And, <laughs> and I, I totally agree. And so actually this what so I'm gonna jump in with my fist bump moment because okay. I I love that scene. Yeah. But my fist bump moment in this movie is it's the realization at the beginning when they throw off the clan outfits and they've got the double guns. So it's it's the wraparound 360, which is a shot that we've talked about many times. Uh, very notorious It's a shot. classic Michael Bay yeah. shot. It's the double gun 360. And I looked at it and I was like, okay, this is peak Will Smith. I was like, I didn't, I didn't even really realize it until we watched it. I was like, this is – I, I called you about this earlier because I was thinking about it. Like, 
So when you see an actor or an actress come out and they have their moment, it's more prominent with actors because, unfortunately, based on like sort of like the Hollywood system, uh, famous actors, movie star actors will have longer careers than actresses. The, we all sort of know there's like the horrible thing that happens when actresses that are stars start to hit their 40s, the roles change. It doesn't right. really happen for dudes until they're like their mid to late 50s. So mm-hmm. uh, a lot of these actors, like the A-list movie stars, you'll see will have like a 30-year, 40-year prime. They have to be the top of the top of the top to have it. But Smith came out in the mid-90s. And by 1997, after like, you know, it's Fresh Prince. He makes Bad Boys in 95, right? You, you, you make like Independence Day the next year, mm-hmm. Men in Black. By like 98, everybody and their mother was like, oh, yeah, Will Smith. He's a big star. He, he opens movies. One of the biggest in the world. But there's still a little bit of like a, like a delay. Like the whole world does not get used to the idea of Will Smith being an A-list movie star as fast as we do. Yeah. International releases, sequels, things like that have to happen. It's really not until post-Ali, him getting an Oscar nomination for Ali, getting into this part of his career that you realize, okay, he is now a global icon. They say, we want you to make this movie. He says, give me $25 million. And they say, okay. They say, no. He says, give me $30 million. And they say, okay. Yeah. Like, when you're at the point in his career that he was at here, you ask for whatever you want. And it's, it is so clearly peak Will Smith. It's kind of like uh, the example I use was like, you look at Brad Pitt. You look at Brad Pitt and like Legends of the Fall, Seven, Fight Club, the whole 90s, he's like really establishing himself as like a heartthrob, top of the top movie star. Yeah. But it's really Troy. It's 2004. Like he's married to Angelina Jolie. He's been at it for a decade. The world knows his name and his face and his likeness. And he's going to be he's going to be in Troy as like a god. Yeah. That's when he peaks. And it's like when you watch an actor or really an actress at that moment in their career when it's very clear just just how iconic and legendary they are. It's kind of a special, unique thing because there aren't that many. Yeah, yeah. And it it is interesting how certain of them kind of follow this path and others don't. You know, like Tom Cruise and and Leonardo DiCaprio are are a little different than Brad Pitt and Will Smith because Will Smith and Brad Pitt have done three times as many movies as the other guys that I mentioned. You know, and like Will Smith, that's what he did in this, you know, this run. He just did everything that he, you know, he did Hitch, he did Shark Tale, he did iRobot, Bad Boys 2, Bad Bland and Black 2, Ali, like Legend of Bagger Vance. It just, he was in everything and everyone was eating it up. But then I think the issue is with that, and the same thing happened with Pitt, is that you just kind of get tired of it. You get kind of tired of seeing them. Even though, it's not even that I dislike a lot of the movies that during, I guess, maybe the dark ages for Will Smith, which it honestly feels like he's kind of still in them. Maybe he's coming out because of, like, Aladdin and stuff. Like, I guess maybe he's, he's you know, Gemini Man was whatever, Spies in Disguise. But for the most part, it's really tough when you oversaturate yourself. And so I think the other convers- part of this conversation that you and I were having was about someone like Chris Pratt. Yeah. Who's kind of like... Kind- kind of doing it he never got to the same level as will smith or brad pitt but he was massive a-list celebrity for sure you know people were talking about him and anna ferris and then you know we saw what he did with jurassic world and with passengers it looked like he was going to try to do the thing but yeah people just didn't care the same way second jurassic park jurassic world was kind of a bomb people did, people didn't like it passengers you know, was kind of a bomb people didn't care about passengers i think the the what'll be really interesting about chris pratt you know magnificent sevens in there What'll be interesting about him is he's in that phase, the Troy phase we're talking about now. And if his next three years he does something like let's just pretend I think he has a movie called like The Ghost Rider coming out. Mm-hmm. If the Ghost Rider comes out and the next Guardians of the Galaxy comes out and Chris Pratt kind of ascends to a next level, like like if he's in something really impressive that's not just playing Star Lord again. Right. Uh and the world takes notice, then you'll kind of realize, okay, this is his peak. But it feels to me like he already peaked. The peak happened. Uh, it's really hard. Most actors, most actors and actresses don't get the kind they never of even peak like that. No, it's you're talking when you say Brad Pitt, Will Smith, yeah. you're talking about two of the twenty most famous ever in the history of movies. In a hundred years of movies, you're talking about two of the most famous of all time, uh, pro- probably. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, you know, and so it's it's just a different conversation. But I definitely think I definitely think that when you when you see him do the the double gun, I was like. This is sweet. I'm, 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 in, I'm, I'm in. in. Yeah, and like the cars on the freeway, yeah. and like you know the all the, the insane chases. I mean, like even when it's, it comes to, to 
Pantoliano being like, how did you sink a boat? Yeah. And then Will Smith's like, well, we, didn't, we didn't sink it. It's right. like, that happened in a car chase on the freeway. Like, that, that's the Michael Bay part that you love of it. And I think the other thing, too, is like Eric Frederick, who's a member of the Action Advisory Board here, um, he says in here, I, I like to be entertained. I don't care how dumb and over the top it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. you and most people. I think that's, yeah. I think we're, we're in a lot of cases the same way, which is why it's relevant for us to even, for our thesis statements, point out or pointing out, because it's a surprising feeling. It doesn't happen very often for me where I watch something and I'm like, I'm struggling to stay engaged because I find this to be so dumb it's offensive. And, like, that's what happened for periods of this movie for me. Well, and for me, I was just watching and I was just like, Michael Bay must just be sitting at home laughing with his millions and millions of dollars (laughs) and and his ability to go out in public and people are like, oh, my God, that's Michael Bay. If he would just make my movie. Yeah. Like, the fact that people still want Michael Bay to make their movies and and they still talk about him, you know, was it Six Underground was his most recent one? Yeah, it was a Netflix movie. I mean, he's definitely already peaked. He decided to make 10 years of Transformers movies. I mean, my favorite thing is, is like, earlier in the chat when I gave my my thesis, it's like, people are like, well, what about this movie? What about this movie? And I'm (laughs) like, they're all not that good you're like i intimately know the only movies you can reference that he would even like if you want to try to convince me that 13 hours the exactly. island yep. or like pearl harbor are like movies that we should be calling like classics great classics in their own right definitely yes right like 100 classics in their own right but there's home. a criterion collection release of armageddon okay i understand the fact that that makes it's a relevant movie yeah. when a movie opens and makes a lot of money it's a big deal we love how many michael bay movies we covered on this show like six probably it's probably like the sixth one. Probably. I mean, and I still want to cover the island. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I convinced you to do Pearl Harbor a few weeks ago. Yeah, you did. You did I mean, convince me. Uh, so anyway, I think I think that's kind of the uh, I think that's kind of the point here. So that's that's going to be our uh, our thesis statement, and our fist yep. bump moments. Uh, we're we're not going to do you know production development. We kind of did star profiles a little bit. I think Martin Lawrence, without getting too deep into it, we all kind of know his career was. Uh, a little short-lived in the 90s and 2000s. He, he did the Bad Boys movies. He's in Blue Streak. He's in Blue Streak, which Big I love. Big fan of Blue Streak. National Security, Black Knight. Big Mama's House. Big Mama's House. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, Black Knight. Black Knight. It's a good movie. Does he get time-traveled in that movie? Yeah, he does, and he's a Black Knight. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's the thing. Is uh, is it is it Richard Gere? No, he's, he's, he's got to be in the He's in First Knight. Yeah, he's in for, that's first night with Connery. <laughs> I can't remember who's who else is in that. I feel like it's like another Luke, Luke Wilson, Wilson, but it's not because that's Blue Streak. Um, this movie got a twenty three percent on the tomato meter, but a seventy eight percent by the audience, which is pretty perfect because it shows exactly what we are talking about. Um, favorite line? Do you have a favorite line? In this yeah, movie? yeah, there's yeah. So, so many. So there's a bunch. I think the one. I think. And just for a second here, I just need to read the plot synopsis of Black Knight. Okay, please, uh, please do. Oh Mark, wait, wait, hold on. Is it Steve Zahn? Was it? it is, Who is it? Uh, well, Tom Wilkinson is Sir Nolte of Marlborough. Yes, great. Uh, Marlborough. There's no one else. It's not. There's nobody else listed in that, but it looks Damn like a cast in order of appearance. So uh, on the cover. All right, you you read the synopsis. I'll I'll keep digging. I feel like there's got to be another. There's got to be a white dude in here. Yeah, there is. <laughs> but it's there, there is, but I don't recognize. Yeah, it doesn't look like. But the cover is oh, on the, the cover. The cover is yeah. fantastic. Yeah, the cover is great. And, and I, so yeah, so the uh, the the synopsis is Martin Lawrence plays Jamal, an employee in medieval world amusement park. Doesn't even, have a, la- doesn't even have a last the, name. After sustaining a blow to the head, he awakens to find himself in 14th century England. If that's not a pitch in a pitch meeting that works for you, I don't know what is. I mean, literally, that's probably the entirety of the conversation. Who's in it? Martin Lawrence. Uh, Done. Make the movie. God. Um, so, uh, so, so, so fa- uh, favorite line, favorite line. Yeah. So my favorite line in this movie, uh, is it's at the beginning actually. And it's when you first meet Peter Stormare, who's oh, the, yep. he's the, like, he's one of the two villains. He's the guy who's, uh, you know, changing money or whatever. And, oh yeah, don't forget about life with Martin Lawrence, Eddie Murphy. I love that movie. Life. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I enjoy that movie. Uh-huh. So uh, Peter Stormare is up in his club and he sees this guy overdosing on ecstasy, which is hilarious that ecstasy is like the dangerous drug in this movie. Yeah, it's great. It's funny. But he, he's overdosing on ecstasy in his club and Peter Stormare's like, get this guy out of punk here. Thinks he Some punk thinks he can die in my club. And I was like, oh, what a sweet line good from a bad villain. Guy. Yeah. A good bad guy. Like, that is ruthless. He can't even die in your club. <laughs> uh, I, uh, you know what's funny is that like I remember a 
good amount of cuts from this movie and like that of the dude overdosing getting thrown outside yeah uh the moment where you know they bring the his partner to him in the in the barrel that's been he's all chopped up yeah, and there's yeah. all the blood dripping out of there's moments in this where i was just like as a kid it really stuck with me it's violent as crap it, yeah it really is there's a like a lot of people getting shot there's blood flying everywhere dead bodies everywhere yeah. Yeah, yeah. um for me, it, it's actually funny because so the whole scene of them, the homoerotic video store <laughs> porn whatever scene. It's a great scene. It's very good, very well written, <laughs> very well acted. Uh, it's so like stupidly cliche. Yeah. That at the end, when the lady goes, and you two motherfuckers need Jesus. <laughs> It was so on the nose, nail on the head, cliche that I died laughing. I don't know uh, why I actually died, like laughed out loud for like two minutes. Yeah, uh, and I was got. And the other time that I laughed out loud was when he shot the inside of his Ferrari with the machine gun. I actually loved. That I thought it was really funny too. I'm telling you, I I, I was like, actually, that scene when they're talking uh, and they're in the thing, and he's, yeah. and he's like, he's like, we have this box <laughs> words that we never say. We never say. <laughs> I don't want to ever hurt you the word flaccid again. And you're like, oh, he's like everybody's listening to you outside in the store. They're all hearing you. Have, so and funny. they think you're gay because of the way that the dialogue is written. <laughs> this right. is funny. I was like, wow. But the thing is, here was. <laughs> Here was what I thought about. So uh. let's just pretend. Let's just pre- Ryan. Do we have a few minutes to go over here? It's important. <laughs> we have we have one or two. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, imagine for a second that you and I. Somebody was like, hey, um, you guys. I want you to. We're going to give you a million dollars, and you need to write a script for a successful children's film. You need to write a movie for kids. So we're going to we're going to have you guys write the script for Ugly Dolls Two, okay, or uh, or Angry Birds Three, or something like that. And you and I would literally just be like. Well, I, we can't really play to our, the height of our intelligence here because it's for children. So things that we think are funny are probably not appropriate. And actually, when we were kids, a lot of the stuff we laughed at were like Chris Farley falling through tables. Right. Uh, fart jokes, dick jokes. Yeah, a lot, uh, lot of physical humor. A lot of physical uh-huh. humor. Probably because you're a kid, something like two people and the people in the store thinking that they're having a relationship, but actually they're talking about him shooting him in the butt. Oh, yeah. That's probably funny. Oh, as a kid, that scene, I was dying. Like, <laughs> it's, and that's the part about it where, where it's like, I don't know if it was if it's actually that Michael Bay movies are made for like 10-year-olds and that we as adults just see them and think they're out for us, or that actually the whole time they're for people whose brains are not fully developed, and that's why they're supposed to be entertaining. Right. Well, well and also like... What does it say about the demo when twelve-year-olds get the same thing out of it as the forty-five-year-olds that you're right. trying to sell it exactly, to? You know, exactly. It's just a really interesting place to be in. So, uh, without th- further ado, there are uh, there are three action movie categories: totally ridiculous, totally legitimate, stop and ridiculously right legitimate. Uh, ben, what is this movie? Totally ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. It's one of the most ridiculous yeah. action movies ever made. Um, it it had plenty of things I found enjoyable. I'm actually stunned we have as many people watching they still they stuck around we as they heard us talk about the oscars they stuck around to hear us talk about bad boys too i did not think the demographic of our audience was that is interested in both subjects well i love it so while we wrap up the show guys let us know in the chat what you thought about you know us opening with uh <clears throat> us opening with like a news segment or us talking about something that's that's very topical in in movie news and uh if we were to spend a little bit of time on that every show uh let us know how you like that format obviously the oscars we went much longer than we normally would we'd probably spend closer to 15 minutes talking about whatever it was whereas today we spent o- uh, over half the show discussing the oscars we but. wanted to talk about the new morbius trailer that dropped by yeah. sony we're actually going to do a live trailer reaction should be up here in the next few minutes uh we're gonna do it here with popcorn talk so so look out for that and uh, yeah let us know in in the, ch- in the comments as drew mentioned mm-hmm. we do have one uh new general in the action army that i want to give a shout out to because uh we are gonna shout the generals out at the end of the show yep. but uh, we have a brand new one but first we have to do the pitch wow. oh there you go music's in uh <laughs> do, we don't actually know what we're covering next week yet is that true i, I don't think we do we still haven't we, we we're, we're still we're slowly starting the new year um the problem is is that we wanted to do something older uh in in relation so what's what's gonna happen is i'm gonna go see bad boys for life tomorrow night and uh i will let you know what i think about it yep um i'll be shocked if we cover bad boys for life on next week's episode Mm. but i'll also be pleasantly surprised so if i go and watch it tomorrow night and i love it yeah then then we'll be doing that next week on the show if not i don't know i feel like there's not there's nothing crazy coming out that i'm super excited about and there's nothing that i've been dying to cover 
I, I would do Parasite on the show, but I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, there's like movies that are coming out for sure. I mean, we've got uh, I'm seeing Doolittle tonight. You're going to be seeing uh, Bad Boys tomorrow. There's uh, there's other movies coming out that we could we could talk about covering. But I I, I think uh, stay tuned, guys. As I mentioned one more time, just to plug it, just so you guys know, go check out Action Industries on YouTube. It's our channel. We have a new show launching this Sunday night, 5:30 p.m. The Action Guys. It's a two-hour live streaming show. We're going to have Collins, a special guest. We're going to be talking about our top films of 2019. All the fun things there, so we're really, really hyped on that, and the best way to do that is go hit that like, subscribe button. Chaz Hill, big salute to Chaz Hill, brand new general in the Action Army. If you're at the general level on our Patreon, that new show is dedicated to you. We're going to be announcing all of the generals every show, so that is the way we're doing that that show. We got Eric Ritz also. Eric Ritz. I think it's Chaz Hill. You did just say Chaz Hill. Did I? Yeah, who the hell's Chaz Hill? I don't know, but it's definitely Eric Ritz. <laughs> I was like, who is Chaz Hill? I was like, we got another general. No, I, uh, Chaz Hill, has, maybe he was previously a I am so sorry, Eric Ritz. Eric Ritz, big shout to you uh, as a general. Oh, I love it. I love Army. it. Uh, big shout out, guys. We will see you same time, same place next week. Bye, everybody. Producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. Expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principals.